BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going. And here is Jeff Ponce of Baseball America. And I've been wanting to have you on for a little bit now, but I thought this was the perfect time to bring you back on the show. You just updated your top 100 list at baseballamerica.com. And dude, this was a fun update. I texted you right after. Holy crap. This is a lot of shifting, shuffling around, and I'm really excited to break it down with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I want to say here sort of as, a precursor is, you know, we obviously historically um, are known for our top 100 lists. We're known for our top 30 lists, but we've sort of followed a very traditional formula in terms of when we've released our lists, et cetera. We, we get the list done, I think, as early as just about anybody out there in the industry. We have everything ready to go in December that we ship out into the handbook. Um, of course, this year there were some printing delays, so it didn't get in people's hands until February or March, unfortunately. Um, but all that was done in December. We then update throughout the off season. As there's trades, et cetera, there was a little bit less of that activity this year, uh, obviously due to the lockout. Um, but we had the intention coming into this year, and I think it was one of the things that JJ had talked about to me when I came on back in the fall full time was we want to be able to update lists on a monthly basis. We want to have more regular top 100 updates. Um, And we just want to be, you know, a little bit more uh, agile in terms of the adjustments that we make and moving around things as they happen. We don't want to overreact of course. And I think, you know, the formula that we followed so far is we had an early April update, um, And then we sort of had this May update where I think, you know, we had over a month of data by the time we updated things by the end of May and some of those final uh, Western division systems, we had almost two months of data plus spring training. We had a lot of information at that point. So it was a lot easier for us to make some more sizable adjustments uh, within these lists. And ultimately that was reflected in the top 100. Um, We then, you know, had a full two months of, of numbers on everyone. Uh, going into that top 100 conversation. And I think that allowed us once again to make some decisions, you know, in the moment and say, hey, you know, we really know that X, Y, and Z player have really performed, really pushing up the the feedback and the information, the data that, you know, we're getting from our team sources, as well as, you know, we're hearing from scouts um, and and their opinions and their insights from, you know, going out there and actually watching these guys it gave us, I think, an ability to, to really put that into action and, you know, make some changes in the list. Um, you know, it's always in flux every day. As soon as guys are graduating, we have, you know, bang another player that's getting added to the list. I know, um, this week we had, we had somebody graduate, um, right on maybe Monday and then Logan O'Hop, uh, was added to the list. Um, the next morning, uh, we had Jordan Groshans added to the back yep. end of the list the other day. 
uh, when we had another graduation. And there's some more coming up as well. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of top 100 prospects end up in the major leagues, even if they didn't start the season there, kind of quickly get up uh, and play some prominent roles, you know, an example of a guy like George Kirby. So these are all things that are sort of happening, um, you know, all throughout uh, on the day-to-day basis behind the scenes. But I think it's allowed us to provide a more accurate list than we, than we have in the past. Um, and I think as a team, be more aggressive in the guys that we felt, you know, Hey, there's been a significant, you know, sea change here in terms of where this guy ranks. Corbin Carroll is kind of a perfect example. He was in the, the back end of the teens, which I think coming into the season, some people might've even said, Hey, look at how many games this guy's actually yeah. played. What the heck's going on here? I know he's talented, but there's a lot of risk there. And within a week or two, I remember getting people pinging me saying, hey, you know, you're low on Corbin Carroll because, well, there's <laughs> a lot of folks out works? there in the in the fantasy industry where they really only do lists. They're not going to games, they're not writing up players, they're not, you know, getting direct scouting feedback, et cetera. And then no fault of their own. Their gig is to, is to update lists and give people an accurate portrayal of uh, Dynasty League yep. value. And Corbin Carroll is a guy that I think, you know, within those first couple of weeks, we're starting to get top five, top two conversation yeah. as guys are graduating off the list. So um, we had to get Carroll up to four. And I think when you look at the guys ahead of him, Adley Rushman, Riley Green, um, at the time when the list was put together, Grayson Rodriguez was healthy. Yeah. And we thought all three of those guys potentially could graduate by the trade deadline. Um, and, you know, that's going to be probably our next big update where we'll add all the draft kids that have signed, et cetera. We're kind of holding off this month until the end so we can have um, the most accurate top 30 lists going into that July period where it's just a frenzy yep. between the draft and the trade deadline. Which is which is like a frenzy, but also so much fun uh, when you start to see where certain prospects slot into other systems. And, you know, I love breaking down the trades. And, and that's the other thing I wanted to mention with Baseball America as well, as, as you talked about off the, off the top is, yes, you guys are updating the list maybe as frequently as ever, but I'm a big fan of a lot of the the – you know, standalone articles that you've been doing as well. And whether it's, you know, best pitches of guys, you know, that are not in the top 100 best fastballs or, you know, just your notes in general. I think you've been doing a great job there, Jeff, and uh, really encourage people, you know, if, if you're buying a subscription to baseball America, you are not just signing up for rankings. You're getting a lot of content as well, all across the minor leagues and, and a lot of, you know, very interesting standalone articles, which, you know, I, I recommend uh, people, you know, picking up that subscription as well. Uh, I have the list in front of me because of course I am a subscriber and I wanted to start with Corbin Carroll because, you know, this is somebody that I, when he got hurt last year, uh, you know, obviously it was just really upsetting to, to anybody, but yeah. that was one that was like a knife that twisted in me a little bit differently than when other players get hurt, because not only was he off to a great start, I was so excited to watch him play last year because, you know, we had, we had talked about him uh, prior to the season. Mm-hmm. That was a guy that I went back and watched and I was like, man, this guy is not only a gamer, he makes adjustments pitch to pitch. He is so sure. fast. He's so fun, sneaky power. Like I always wanted to see what this guy was going to do. We're yeah. seeing what he can do now. And I know it's a little bit of a launch pad where he plays. And sure. that was going to be my one question to you, because we're seeing the power tick up, which really puts him into this new threshold, because there was no questions on any other part of his game. We knew the speed was there. We knew the bat to ball was there. We knew the defense was there. We knew the makeup and instincts were there. What do you make of the power for Corbin Carroll? And I'd assume that you guys are buying, you know, at least a level of it to, to put him at fourth here uh, in the updated top 100. How much power is in there for the Diamondbacks prospect? Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I think, you know, regardless of the home park and everything else, when you look at some of the data um, and some of the numbers that have come out in terms of his exit velocities, even out there on Twitter and broadcast, you're hearing a lot more of that information now. I mean, he's got to be uh, like within, you know, the top 10 percentile in terms of like his high end exit velocities. There's still juice there. Um, he's a strong kid. He may not be the biggest guy. Takes really good attack angles for the ball. And uh, it's it's, you know, it's good power because of the bat speed and everything else. So I don't have too many concerns there. Um and it's not like we're going to get tested anyway. He's going to, 
he's going to go to AAA and see, you know, another launching pad, <laughs> yep. you know, the PCL where the numbers are absurd. Um, and, and then go to the, the NL West where, you know, well, despite Fox. the humidors, there's still some, some pretty good hitting parks there. I would say, and I think he's going to lead the league in triples. You see David Peralta doing it almost every yep. o- over the last couple of years. I, I could see Corbin Carroll with, with the big gaps almost everywhere he's going to play, you know, being one of those guys that could just lead the league in triples almost every year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's, you know, absolutely one of those guys, a hundred percent, like and, no questions about and, it. And does he displace Alec Thomas from center? Uh, Corbin Carroll is the guy that, that plays center long-term you think? Um, you know, I, I would think so, but it's a good problem. It's to a have. win-win, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's like one of those right. situations where like, you know, um, if you have three center fielders in the outfield, it doesn't really matter. Man. It doesn't you know, matter. It's like the value of that is, is tremendous. I mean, um, I guess I'm stretching a little bit calling Benintendi a center fielder, but I think that's what his position typically was coming up and how we sort of viewed him. But look back in like those Red Sox teams, like 2018 with that outfield of, you know, Bradley Jr., Mookie Betts and, and, um, and Benintendi, it's like, you know, yeah. you had three guys that can cover a significant amount of ground, especially with a guy like Benintendi, maybe being the least rangy of the three being in left at Fenway park. It was yeah. like, Oh my God, like, you know, this is a, this is a standout defensive outfield. Yeah. And I think if you can do that, um, especially in this day and age, if you're, if you're chasing power pitchers and guys that maybe are a little bit more hoppy in the fastball and throw up in the zone, the value of having a guy that can go and get it really in any of the three outfield spots or multiple guys that can do that is valuable. So, you know, maybe, maybe Carol's the center fielder um, and Thomas ends up in right or left. I think we kind of anticipated that Thomas would be like a high end corner outfielder uh, that can cover center more than the everyday center fielder. But I suppose you never know, you know, sometimes when guys get up to the major leagues, uh, these things work themselves out and it's not necessarily how we predicted it. Yeah. So that was actually something I wanted to get into that. And a guy that graduated the list, because I want to, I want to focus on the specific rankings of the list, but there's one thing that I very much wanted to pick your brain on. And it, it's Julio Rodriguez because Julio Rodriguez is now graduated. And now he looks like one of the most talented young players in the game. He is showing us a little bit of everything at the big league level. How were we as just, I guess, a general uh, community, so wrong on Julio Rodriguez's speed. I, I feel like I look across the board retroactively. I was looking everywhere. I, like I looked all over and I, I just don't understand how Julio Rodriguez did not have plus run grades anywhere. Uh, and that was something that really shocked me. Um, I think part of it was, you know, 2020, um, not seeing him there. Part of it was, you know, 2021 and how fragmented his season was with the Olympics and some of the stuff to get an injury at one point was on the IL. Um, some of that, I think the other big part of the equation is he worked on it. He worked on his athleticism. He worked on his fielding. Um, I think even the body that we saw two years ago when he was sort of a precocious teenager has matured and, uh, it's, it's not necessarily backed up in the way that we had anticipated where we thought he's going to get thick and he's a broad shouldered guy. He's a bigger frame guy. He's probably going to slow down and get thick. And, you know, he managed to keep up a really high level of athleticism and credit to him. I think a lot of that was the work that he put in. And it was something that he's spoken about, you know, in interviews in terms of the type of effort that he's put forth. And, uh, you know, that's not, impossible. I think that we've seen this before throughout the history of the game with guys that maybe had that sort of twitch or speed component question as prospects and improve it. Um, you just gotta be a freak too. And I think it's a a lot of, a lot of it's about work and just, you know, being willing to put in a lot of effort to maybe get some pretty measly gains overall. Uh, but if you keep on going back to that, well, and you're young enough, right. And athletic enough and strong enough, um, you could probably improve a lot of that yeah. stuff. And I, I mean, like Dustin Pedroia was a guy that wasn't all that fast at Arizona state. And then I can remember maybe he had for his second year, might've been the year he won MVP. Um, he put in a ton of time in, in terms of speed work in the off season. And, 
you know, sometimes incrementally that makes a big difference defensively. It makes a big difference just in terms of beating out a hard struck, you know, ground ball. If you're a right-handed hitter to the left side of the infield, um, and you know, just those, those extra couple of steps and, and split seconds can be the difference between being, you know, safe or out and, you know, five or six hits like that can boost your average a lot. So I think across the board and then, you know, obviously being dangerous as a base runner, uh, being able to take that extra base, you know, get home on a well-struck ball of the gap. Um, yeah, so the I closing think speed too, stuff. the closing speed and center, yeah, it, exactly. it kind of hedges some of the, you know, there's still a learning curve on the jumps, but like the, exactly. the closing speed is, is amazing. So I, I love just hearing that from, from someone like you, you're like a perspective of someone that's evaluated him for a while. And there's just still always that out of our control, out of our evaluation type of component to this whole thing, which is how hard is this guy going to work and how much time is he going to put into this specific area of his game? And Julio Rodriguez, that's why makeup is kind of the best way to hedge it, I would say. And Julio Rodriguez never had any questions in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think you're, you're totally right there. So uh, another guy that, again, makeup-wise, work ethic, all, all the reports are great on him, but it's been, it's been a tough start for him. Anthony Volpe, and he only drops one spot, uh, but he has been a little bit slow out of the gate so far in AA for the Yankees. He's still very young for the level was the breakout player of the year, I would say, in the minor leagues last year. Uh, what do you make of the struggles, just quickly on him before we, we keep going through the list here? Uh, how concerned are you? Because I, I know we talk about Volpe as a guy that legitimately could be the number one prospect in baseball uh, at some point. Uh, now that momentum slowed a little bit, doesn't really change the yeah. overall outlook, but you know what, what's the, the vibe and pulse on Volpe right now? Yeah, I think, you know, he just he got out of the gates pretty slowly. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, never, never great. Um, so, you know, that's put some sort of, you know, additional pressure on him uh, over the, the last month plus to perform. And I think things have sort of slid a little bit, um, hasn't necessarily gotten all that much better. But, um, you know, that being said, I think if you watch the player, um, he is somebody that I've been sort of honing in on. I haven't seen him live yet this year. I will very shortly. Um, you know, I'm going to see plenty of Somerset this year, and I'm I'm sure if he makes his way up to Scranton Wilkes, uh, I'll probably see a bit of him as he visits Worcester as well, which is, you know, my home ballpark here. But, yeah. you know, overall, um, you look at the underlying numbers. Uh, he's chasing a little bit more than he did last year, but it's not absurd. I mean, still very much like an average sort of swing decision number. Um, he's making an average to above average level of contact that that's not a concern. He's still hitting the ball fairly hard in terms of his, you know, his high end exit velocities, um, not as hard as he had last year. And I think that there's been some inconsistency and some contacts and rollovers issues and, and, and stuff like that. But I really think he's going to work it out. Yeah. And this is just sort of a blip on the radar. Yeah. I think we also need to remember too, you know, he just uh, turned 21 at the end yeah. of April. You know, he entered the season as a 20 year old. This is double a double a, in my opinion, and particularly the Eastern league having, you know, I cover these leagues, I chat with scouts. I talk with people internally. I think it's probably one of the more talented double um, a leagues, if not the most talented double a league at this point in time, particularly through the first month, some of the pitching that's come through there, some of the quality arms that you're seeing out of the bullpens. And a lot of these teams that are starting to piggyback guys for three or four innings in the start. Um, you're seeing a lot of good arms and I think you're seeing a higher level of play defensively as well. And, and I, and, you know, I think that it's one of those things that if, if Anthony Volpe hit, you know, 300, 375, 560 from here on out, that wouldn't shock me in the least because I think the talent is there. The swing decisions are there. The contact is there. The power is still there. The twitch is still there. All the abilities that we saw last year, it's an aggressive assignment. And, yep. and as it happens, things like this typically roll. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's back at home in his, his hometown area in, in, in Somerset. So I don't know, you know, maybe he's caught up with an old girlfriend or something. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. Another... I don't know that sort of thing, but yeah, you know, he's eating too much of the pizza that they have there. Delicious. Yeah. Best pizza the <laughs> That's, That's the other thing. You have no idea. <laughs> and that goes on the other side too, is you, you don't really know what's going on. And, you know, sure. ultimately I, I've said it so many times on the podcast, 
the jump from high A to double A right now is insane. Uh, and and just the competitiveness in double A right now in terms of pitching, you know, even in, in, in the Southern league, I mean, it was ridiculous seeing, you know, what, what was out there just day in and day out what a lot of these guys have to face and what they have to deal with arms wise is just ridiculous. Uh, But a guy that really transitioned really well and really easily to double A so far is Jordan Walker and Jordan Walker turned 2017 days ago, which is just outrageous. And He is hitting 328, 425, 539 for the Cardinals in double A right now with six homers and 12 bags, 12% walk rate, 22% K rate. How good is Jordan Walker? And and does this guy legitimately have a case to be the number one prospect in baseball? Like, I think he's getting a lot of hype, but I still feel like it's not even enough. I feel like this guy needs to be talked about almost Uh, every day. I think think where he's at right now is good and aggressive for the type of prospect he is in a real world baseball sense um if i was doing a fantasy list because I, you know, I put my fantasy hat on i still dabble with that a little bit just uh it's kind of my 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 fun little side yeah. passion that i get to dabble in of course with my day job it it ties in a little bit i think you can you can place jordan walker wherever you want a fantasy list i mean this is a guy that could hit 40 home runs uh at peak he's developing into a well-balanced hitter this year i think that's the transition that we're seeing so I wouldn't get too concerned, um, you know, maybe like, Hey, why, you know, why isn't, why isn't Walker, you know, he's slugging 539 and not 650 or something with the power of the body that he has, the swing that he has, he's hitting 328. <laughs> he's, he's walking 12% of the time. He's striking out just 22% of the time. And, you know, all of this sort of thing is, is really backed by um, his ability to make, contact and hard contact um his contact rates are, are are only average you know he'll swing and miss a little bit in the zone he'll even chase a little bit um but when he does make contact which is frequent enough the with his level of, of impact it's doing some serious damage and i think you want to you you like this balance that he has right now um i think that the, the cardinals have done a good job of coaching up you know this sort of archetype player at least at the plate um nolan gorman obviously isn't as large as as jordan walker is but i think he's similar in the sense that you know big juice as a a prep player there was certainly some questions around the hit tool and and how much contact he would make um some defensive questions as well is he going to stick at third um you know i think gorman probably would have been a third baseman had there not been nolan arenado in the way and they had a transition for that um Walker might be a guy that ends up at first base. So that's why I, you know, kind of all this to say in that preamble, I think that's what maybe pushes him out for maybe a guy like Corbin Carroll, who's also a really talented player that's pushes and and pushed through all these levels, not as young, but still, I think when we consider the fact that he missed pretty much all of 2021, they're kind of on a similar level and tier and progression. Uh, I think Walker, you know, just maybe ends up at first base. He's a really big guy. He's six foot five and there's just not a lot of third basemen that are that large that play the position. You know, Scott Rowan is, is a freak. You know, there yeah. aren't many Scott Rowans at six feet, six no. foot one, no. let alone as big as he was. Um, and I just think if you see Walker move at times and the skills are there, the, the, the hands are there. The arm is phenomenal. Be a little bit robotic and stuff. And, and, and I just think that, Hey, why mess with it? This is a guy that bat's going to be so good. Could be like, you know, MVP caliber. If, yeah. I think if it sticks, if he walks, if he, if he hits for average and that juice really blossoms with him out having to, without him having to sell out for power, you know, this could be a guy even at first base is just perennial all-star, you know, uh, Frank Thomas type of yeah. number. That's what the upside I think really could be. Um, you know, Albert Pujols, one of those guys, somebody that's just a first baseman that dominates the game. He's doing it so young. It's, it's tough not to put those sort of comps on him. Um, so, Hey, maybe he pushes his way up there. We talked about it at the top here, Aaron, but there's so many guys that are going to be graduating over the next year. He's certainly a player that as long as he keeps this up, he could find himself in the top five pretty easily. Maybe even as early as the end of the season, even the off season. 
So before we get to some of the the surprises or new names on the list, I want to do a, a classic shortstop debate here, which again, I, I think there's a reason yeah. why you put them next to each other because it's it's really interchangeable. But you know, I, I want to hear a little bit of why Marcelo Mayer gets the edge over Jordan Waller. You know, for us, that was one that I spent a lot of time on thinking to on our top 100. Ultimately, in our preseason, went Waller just more so on the athleticism. Um, you know, and and I'm curious yeah. what what you think there defensively, and you know. Both are off to unbelievable starts this year. Uh, you know, you have you have Meyer hitting 323, 393, 527 with a 152 WRC plus two home runs, which is quite good. And then Jordan Lawler, 352, 461, 600 uh, slash line, 178 WRC plus seven home runs, 18 stolen bases. So they're both lighting up low A. Uh, but, but what ultimately led for you guys to lean Meyer over Lawler? Yeah, I think there's a chance that Lawler might've leapfrogged mayor, but you know, I think this was following a lot of our Intel from the off season and the draft and not trying to overreact too much. The news about Jordan Lawler's injury also broke while we were, or the day before that uh, we had our meeting for the top 100 where we sort of, you know, um, have a scrum and sort of hash everything out. Uh, you know, so I think personally, Upside wise, I, I probably would have, I, I'm one of the Lawler guys in the camp there, uh, more so than Mayer. Um, a lot of it, as you said, is the twitch, the athleticism, the explosiveness, the power. Uh, he's just more my type of player. Yep. Um, I think Mayer ultimately might end up at third base. I know that uh, some folks on staff will debate me on that. You know, they think the instincts are really, really good. The actions are good. The internal clock is great. And he just has a natural sort of feel for the position, um, despite maybe not being as twitchy as a Lawler or a House or, of course, a Khalil Watson. Um, but both really good players. And, you know, in the end, I, I, you know, it's not one. It's one of those things that you, you sort of just move on. It's like, all right, this is what my case is. This is what the factors are. And, you know, they're right neck and neck. So, totally. um, you know, if one leapfrogs another because of performance or something over the next year or so, that wouldn't be shocking. Absolutely. And I just, I just always think it's an interesting talking point because both yeah. are off to a great start, which is, which is awesome to see. Uh, yeah. and, and we'll get to Khalil Watson in a little bit because I want to get your thoughts on him. Uh, but I want to talk with some of the surprise strong performers uh, so far. It may not be a surprise to you guys. Cause I know you guys have been on Drew Romo. I, I think baseball America has been as high on Drew Romo as anybody. And, you know, he's up to 35 now on your top 100 list. And catching prospects for the Rockies is not someone I generally expect to rapidly climb up lists. But as we talked about before we started recording, the Rockies are surprisingly building something here a little bit. They even convinced Riley Pint to unretire. But when you look at actually what they have building here, several top 100 guys, which is a far cry from where they were a year ago. Drew Romo checking in at 35 was one of the big surprises. You look at the numbers, it makes sense. You look at the the defense. uh, I mean, the ability to receive the arm, it all makes sense as well. Uh, But I think for the average, you know, prospect person or even just average fan, they're probably surprised by Drew Romo being this high. And I, you know, kind of just wanted to tee you up on, on why he's here. Yeah. I think, you know, coming out of the draft, the big question was the bat and, we've seen that play um, so far and he's made a ton of progression, you know, through his first, we'll say 18 months as a professional. Um, He's been a standout and, you know, we trust our reporting and, you know, the contacts that we have, uh, you know, heavily with opposing scouts, you know, um, farm directors internally that we speak with, you know, with each of these organizations he was a guy that just consistently came up in conversations of like, Hey, uh, make sure you shove this guy up the list. This <laughs> is, this is a dude, this is a certified guy, uh, impact on both sides of the ball, leadership skills. Um, and he's just, you know, got gotten, you know, incredible buy-in, uh, you know, from the Rockies and vice versa in terms of him with their coaching staff and their player development people. Um, just like, you know, one of his system mates, Ezekiel Tovar, who actually couldn't go home um, during the pandemic shutdown. So the organization provided some housing out there in Arizona and uh, he just worked his butt off. And I think he finally went home after the Arizona Fall League this year prior to, uh, you know, uh, instructs in spring um, for the first time, uh, I think for a year and a half. And, wow. 
you know, I think what we're seeing now is a testament because he was a little, I think he was worn out in the, in the Arizona fall league. And I think what we're seeing now is a uh, testament to the amount of work that Tovar put in uh, over the course of that year and a half period and having the access to some of the training and facilities that he had access to when maybe some other guys, you know, were struggling to get back into the country. Um, some benefits there. So just wanted to tie that one in with a Rockies yeah. conversation, but Absolutely. Romo and Tovar were two guys that we were really pounding the table for of like, Hey, um, we've seen it. The scouts have seen it. The numbers back it. Let's do it. Let's, let's make a big jump here. Cause these are some of the premier prospects in the game. And Tovar is is the number one Rockies prospect, I assume now, because in the uh, top 100 update, he slots in at 26. And, uh, you know, yeah. kind of segueing into that real quick, just a couple quick thoughts on Tovar. You guys have a 65 on him defensively, which is which is awesome because he's swinging it well. Uh, he's stealing bases. He is not really blinking at the uh, relatively aggressive assignments and, and looks really good overall. Uh, I mean, to be 20 years old in double A and doing what he's doing, uh, it seems like the game is not too quick for him uh, from what I've seen. And, and he just seems extremely comfortable. What has really stood out to you the most about Tovar so far? And you know how how much is this guy rising in your mind to becoming, you know, one of the best shortstop prospects in the game? Yeah, I mean, the bats of ball skills are excellent. Um, you know, he really owns and controls the zone. Um the swing decisions are good as well. Um, and there's some power at the point of contact without having to sell out for it. Uh, you know, he's really a contact first guy that just has a lot of bad speed and creates sort of torque with his, with his whippy swing, um, in the field. I would honestly say that he's arguably, if not clearly the best infield defender that I've seen over the last maybe 24 months. Um, wow. he's a wizard out there, man. I mean, just, uh, he's he could he could play every day in the major leagues right now and would make sports center you know web gems and you know top 10 highlight reels maybe once a week um right, some of the stuff he can do there the later you prompted me yeah to the throws some of the dives some of the stuff he just makes leaving look incredibly easy i think just as somebody who observes and watch a lot, watches a lot of baseball um just a high level of iq with the athleticism to make plays that other people can't um, so that's really one of the reasons that I'm very much in on Ezekiel Tovar. I'm going to be looking at some some defensive plays later today. So kind of <laughs> kind of highlight real plays I can find over there. And uh, one guy that you were very much in on way back. I mean, this was probably back in the lockdown MLB prospect days when I had you on. He was your big breakout candidate for last year. Maybe he had a great year overall, but you know, not quite to the standard. And now is breaking out big time. So I think you were slightly early, but I see what you were on now. And now I thought about you recently because Gunnar Henderson is is absolutely killing it. And that yep. was the one guy that you're like gunner's gonna be there gunner's gonna be there and, and man were you right because he is killing it this year yeah. and, and i want to just get your thoughts because it seems like this guy I, I hate using figured it out because nobody ever figures out baseball but i think he's figured himself out to a degree here where he's 312 452 573 in double a before getting promoted to triple what i love is he's walking more than he strikes out eight home runs, 12 stolen bases as well. Uh, it has just been an incredible offensive season. And watching Gunnar Henderson, I'm floored at, at how quick his bat is, how how direct to the ball, but how he's still able to backspin the ball really easily sure. while being what looks very short. I mean, he goes backside, no problem. He can go around and go pull side and, and, and crush it as well. It seems like foul pull to foul pull power uh, and, and just a now bat to ball ability that we hadn't really seen, almost cutting his K rate in half. Now yeah. the youngest player in AAA by a good margin. What are you seeing from Gunnar Henderson? It seems like upper body and lower body a bit out of sync last year. Uh, was able to find a way to tread water and still be a decent bat. Uh, but it's really been that overall breakout this year that you were teasing a little while back. Yeah. I think it was just overall improvement um, to the swing, like you said. Uh, I think was a big part of it. Just being completely sort of synced up. Um, I think also the swing decisions have always been pretty good. And it was just a matter of um, being more direct to the ball, um, you know, tapping into more of that athleticism and explosiveness that he has. So I think that's the thing is this is a power hitter that is a really like top of the scale sort of athlete. Um, and 
Baltimore is a couple of them. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Westberg's another guy that has, you know, is a really tremendous athlete, but you know, Henderson has speed. He's a really good base runner. There's twitch there. He's really explosive. Um, and he's shown the ability to sort of adjust, hit everything that he swings at in zone. Um, he's become a plus contact hitter from somebody who was kind of fringe average entering the season, I think based on what we saw last year and, you know, about five games in double A, but mostly in a ball um, gets on base a lot. I mean, his walk rate is, is obscene. I think it's like 19% or something like that. And it's more, he's got a sub 20% K rate. So we don't see more than many guys out. have all this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We don't see many guys that had have this sort of skill set, but uh, Gunner's one of them, man. And, and I think, you know, he could even be up. It's too, it's too bad that, that Grayson got hurt because I felt like, you know, he was a guy, Grayson Hall could all be sort of on this Baltimore roster for a big chunk of the summer, kind of playing spoiler there in the ALE strong rush of MLB experience where maybe a good first stretch and then bad, you got to adjust again, kind of getting that out of the way I thought would be valuable. Might still happen for Henderson. I mean, obviously he's in AAA and guys like this don't stay in AAA for very long, especially if there's injuries, but they don't really have any reason to necessarily push him at this point. But um, I think he's a guy that, you know, could be up end of the year this summer, next year. I, I think it's, it's imminent at this point. Um, and he's really exciting. It's just, there's, this is, this is a guy that I think could, you could make a case as a top 10 prospect, honestly, wow. he's that good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's one that I was talking about, you know, on the card side of things where I was talking about baseball card investments, prospect investments. That's one that I was like, Buy them up while you still can, because even if it already looks expensive, it's going to get even more expensive with with the way that Gunnar Henderson looks right now. And uh, probably moving to third, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think that's probably uh, what ends up happening. Um, But he can handle shortstop. I don't think that's a question. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he ends up sticking at third and and, excuse me, at at short and uh, that's the guy. Maybe it's Westbury. They've kind of been moving them in tandem together. Um, maybe they have some interchangeable parts and they sort of all play different positions depending upon the day. But um, I think he's a good infielder. Someone that should stick on the left side of the infield. A few more for you. Cause I know you got to run in a little bit. You got 10 more minutes in you. Yeah. I think I got 10 more minutes and then I got to, uh, I got to make a call to uh, on some of my, my, my Cape Cod previews that we got, <laughs> which I'm excited to get out there and, and we'll, uh, I'll be out there at some point and, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you in right. the Cape. Don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you're, you're doing your, your Cape catch up now. So a few more questions because I could literally, like we always talk about, probably go two hours with you on this episode talking about each of these guys, but on a more negative side, unfortunately, super early for Khalil Watson, a guy that I was floored by on the backfields in a good way. The bat speed is outrageous. Probably some of the best, you know, just raw bat speed you're going to see in the minor leagues. And, you know, you figure if he's that quick to the ball, he's got to make some decent swing decisions, right? He's got more time to make decisions that hasn't been the case. He's, he's been overly aggressive and you know, the zone miss has been pretty surprising too, though. I, I've been pretty shocked at how many fastballs he's swung through uh, so far this season, or at least let's just talk about may because the whole season's been bad. May 42% K rate. He's hit 165 across the month. Uh, what are you seeing with Khalil Watson? He just swings at everything. Um, I think the big issue with him right now is just he swings too much. Uh, he swings at bad pitches out of the zone. He swings at good pitches in the zone. He swings at pitches on the outer half. He swings at pitches on the inner half. Um, and I get it because when he does make contact, he does as much damage as pretty much anybody in baseball. Um, the thing with him is I think he really needs to hone Uh, The swing decisions, what he decides to swing at, he's got to really substantially cut down in the chase because he's always going to have some swing and miss just simply because of his bat path uh, and how he does hit for power Um, and, you know, still has some some issues identifying uh, spins. So I think the first step for him, stop expanding the zone, start to work, you know, middle in, cut off, cut the plate in half, just stay off stuff on the outer half try to do damage on the inner half. We know you can um, have a plan. It doesn't look like he has a plan up there. He, yeah. He I think it's a big part of it is the plan. And I think, you know, he's somebody that, you know, compared to 
Brady House and loaded Georgia. We know about how good Georgia is prep-wise. Um, you know, then we take a look at somebody like Lawler in Texas, somebody like Marcelo Mayer playing in Southern California, some of the best high school baseball in the country. Um, and Watson was also a guy that, you know, I think even on the travel ball circuit, I believe he was playing on a B team, even at the beginning of his draft summer before he sort of got elevated because, Hey, wow, look at this guy, what he can do. I just don't think he's seen that level of competition in pitching either. And I think that's something that maybe, um, we as an industry sort of overlooked a little yeah. bit. Um, and maybe that was one of the things that one of the reasons why he fell in the draft last year. So, you know, I just think that there's some, some stuff here where, Watson maybe has a little bit longer of a runway in terms of getting to where he needs to be just in terms of as a, as a hitter, you know, a baseline skill wise as a hitter um, because his tools, his explosiveness, some of the things that he can do, if that sort of gets honed and, and crafted, I mean, this guy could be a, a top of the scale sort of impact player. How concerned are you? pretty concerned. I mean, he's striking out 40 something percent of the time. His chase rates are astronomical. I believe last time I looked, he was a sub 60% contact guy. And uh, those are all really bad, bad, bad warning signs uh, for any player. I mean, it's good that he's in full season ball, but the struggle like this, not great, but the impacts there. So, you know, I think there's still something to sort of hang your hat on and say, I'm not jumping off the Khalil Watson train Mm -hmm just yet um but i think you have to adjust expectations a couple quick other names real quick pete crow armstrong has been spectacular uh yeah i mean it has been so fun to watch him really impact the baseball more than people thought i think you know we knew he was going to be an elite defender we knew he was going to be a good runner we knew the bat to ball was there but how about the impact now uh, can we talk about what the overall look of pete crow armstrong is again i don't want to give away the whole list but he checks in at 47 here which is a sure. huge jump uh because he wasn't really on many lists at all coming into this year yeah you know i think the thing with him is he's the perfect real life list player too um He's a guy that had a really high level uh, defensive profile. There's a lot of skills out there. He's a true center fielder, good arm, good range, you know, good reads off the bat. He's just natural at the position. There was always bat to ball skills. Uh, He's twitchy, you know, he can run. And really the question was the impact. And I always wonder if it, well, I I loved him coming into the draft. You know, I, I sort of, was hoping just as somebody who has local Red Sox affiliates near me, I wanted the Red Sox to take him, especially sort of in the wake of, you know, Mookie Betts trade that like, Hey, this is the next center field is the sec- next, you know, sexy outfielder that the Red Sox have long-term and, you know, what ended up happening they took Nick York, you know, Armstrong drops to the Mets, the Mets, as they always do with a talented player, trade him away for some reinforcements that they need at the major league level. Hey, they want to win who can blame them. Um, and PCA was a guy that we didn't see in 2020. We didn't see much on the draft circuit because there was a ton of limitations for California players, uh, in terms of where they could play, where they could practice. Um, so we didn't get to see him hit in games. I think as much as we typically would have, there was more impact coming. I know he was, he was, he had some triple digit exit velocities, you know, at 17, um, 16, 17 years old, that was starting to develop a little bit. It was just a very direct swing path, maybe not lofty and sort of selling out for power, but he then gets hurt right out of camp last year. Uh, Only played a handful of games and that stunk because, you know, I think it was a shoulder injury or whatever as well, if I remember correctly. Um, And he missed the entirety of the season. So once again, even though he hit early and we were starting to see these glimpses, we didn't see the full thing, you know, over an extended period of time this is the first time that we could see that. And I almost wonder, had we seen it two years ago, is this a guy that maybe, maybe would have gone in the top 10 of that draft. Um, And, you know, he's really progressed pretty well. Now we're looking at a guy that I think if he continues to hit and play well, depending upon, you know, how the cards uh, sort of shuffle out uh, within the cub system and their depth at, at, you know, double a, he could end up for a month or so in, in, in double a this year. And that wouldn't shock me at all, you know? Um, So yeah, I think PCA is a name that's really, really climbing up and just a good all around player. There's a lot of different sort of um, outcomes that could all be pretty valuable 
from a guy that's maybe a little bit of an underrated sort of war producer uh, up the middle and center field to, you know, if the power blossoms and he keeps this level of plate approach and contact and the speed and the outfield defense, this could be, you know, one of the best players in baseball. Which is, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. For a couple months of Javi Baez, because I had a lot of Mets fans replying to me on Twitter, telling me he was a fourth outfielder uh, yep. when I was, you know, critical wow. of that trade. And again, I get it. You want to win now, but <laughs> you got to be aware of what you're trading when you're getting a rental there. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to take too much more of your time. So I'll just ask you one last question. Anybody else sure. that you think you want to just kind of give a nod to and hey, check out our write up on this guy, because I, I really like our information. Adele, Adele Amador. Is probably one of those that I was, I yeah, even told you before sure. I came on very rarely. Am, am I not going to know a guy very well that's on your list? Full disclosure, did not know much on Adele Amador, uh, but is there anybody else or is that the guy that you would want to give a little nod to, to, to do a little bit more research on and check out your write up on, yeah. uh, on baseball America. I'll just throw a couple of names out there. I think Andrew Painter at 57, just oh in terms of the, the update on what we have there and the information I think is valuable. Take a look at him. And then some of the accompanying articles that we did with the, the most recent 30s where we had certain players, we did a full articles that had like 40 to 50 to 60 names of players that were moving up within the East division list, the Central division list, the West division list, and then the top 100. All those guys are valued. Vinny Pasquatino, who I know we've talked about on here for about a year. Evan Carter is another one that moved up a bit. Ezekiel Duran, even before his promotion, we were getting a ton of smoke. That like, hey, this is really click. This is a really good player. Um, Gavin Williams being another one. Amador, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, I think toward the back end of the list, um, you know, maybe a guy like Ricky Tiedemann, who I'm really excited about. He really, actually passed really Elvis nice. Martinez. Um, Car- Carson Williams, which I don't think any would have in- anyone would have anticipated Carson Williams to be on a top 100 list coming into the year. But here he is. Um Hunter Brown was another one that we added. Uh, Caleb Killian, who obviously got his uh, uh, his call up and his start. We were just ahead of the curve there. And, and even Spencer Strider, who, funny enough, he's a guy that I actually stumped for a ton. I was like, we really need to get this guy on because um, he's just, you know, even if he's a reliever, I think he's a powerful reliever and a guy that, um, you know, is valuable. Those guys that are sort of the pen ace, I think are valuable, especially for a playoff team that, you know, you could count out the Atlanta Braves, but I think we both know that down the stretch, this is a team that could be incredibly dangerous and could creep up on the Mets and win that division again, or at least get into the dance, you know? He's thriving in what seems to be that old Michael Kopech role, and maybe he can develop yeah. similarly to Michael Kopech. And Ezekiel Duran, I actually sure. just put something out on JustBaseball.com about his swing adjustments because instead of that long floating leg kick that he struggled to time up, seems much more under control, but the power has not really taken a hit. Jeff, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time. And uh, you know, let people know where they can follow you on Twitter because I know you've changed your at. I always yeah. say I always want to say prospect Jesus. I, I always want to say that. But what what is your at now? It's uh, it's at Jeff Ponce B A. Uh, my name is spelled G as as in George G E O F F. Uh, last name is Ponce P O N T E S B A. So Jeff Ponce B A. That's on Twitter. I don't know. I'll get the cape going. I might try to get like TikTok or Instagram a little bit more engaged. I need like some all in one package where I can just post like, you know, videos and, 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 and uh, clips and stuff like do a single app that lands everywhere. (laughs) Cause I don't want to have to be at the park having to drop three man or in the morning or at the night when I come back and I'm cutting video, but I'm uh, this year I'm doing a little bit different. Um, Kind of close to your heart as a, as a cat, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be sitting on Katuit, I think, pretty much the first four weeks of the season. Let's go. Following them around. I have uh, some stuff in the works with with Katuit that uh, I love that that organization. And uh, I guess I'm kind of planting. I'm doing I'm covering the whole Cape, but um, I'm kind of planting my flag this year as, as a Ketelier and somebody that's going to stay close to the program. Um, and just, you know, I'm going to follow them around. They got a really interesting crop of guys. They got some interesting stories, I think, with Cam Collier. Of course, yeah. Mike Roberts is a legend, um, one of my favorite people in baseball, and uh, some of the other folks that are involved in the front office. So, yeah, it's 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 my favorite place. I love being at Lowell. Um, you know, now that I'm doing this full time, I can get up to the park at 
you know, one thirty, two o'clock, uh, get some lunch in me and then get over there for BP every day, get home, driving home at dusk over the bridge, you know, getting the sunsets on the bridge. What's better than that? Right. Makes the drive a little bit better. Right. And uh, it's only about 45 minutes to an hour for me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be sitting on them and I guess through that, I'm going to see within the first two weeks, I think seven of the nine rival teams twice. So obviously get a ton of looks at Katuit. I've already gotten a look at, you know, I was at their scrimmage, uh, on, on Sunday. So I've already actually gotten some Cape looks. So, yeah, man, that's what I'm going to be doing that heavy. That's my favorite thing. I'll still be doing the minor league stuff. There's some guys going, uh, be at the futures game, uh, doing all that stuff. And then, you know, uh, once I fly back, I'll probably, I'll be, I'll be hitting some affiliated ball, but also working the final weeks of the Cape all-star game, the playoffs. And then, you know, August into September, because of the way that we have the schedule now, it's going to be a full go for the last, like, you know, seven, eight weeks of affiliated ball. So um, rolls in nicely. And I'm happy that BA has given me the opportunity to really pursue my greatest passion. I love baseball. I love affiliated baseball. I love co- covering the minor leagues. Um, but I love the Cape League, man. It's, it's where my heart is. Um, there's nothing that, you know, I write with as much passion as I do on the Cape League stuff. And, and I'll put it out there. Um, I've done so much advanced work going to the player searcher on point streak, identifying the rosters, updating them on a weekly basis. I've been following who's, who's been coming in, who's been coming out. Um, you know, I probably have as good of an idea of like who's on team USA. <laughs> Is anybody yeah. talking to all the managers and GMs as I'm writing these previews. And uh, speaking of that, I got a call with Pickler right now and, yeah. uh, and got to finish up my Harwich preview that's coming out this afternoon. So Aram, as always, Thank you, man. I look forward to seeing you. I think at the Futures game and maybe on the Cape too. Absolutely. I hopefully we'll see you both and I'm looking forward to seeing you in Katuit. I, I miss Will. Yeah, you will. It's going to be a blast out there. So thanks so much, Jeff. I appreciate the time. All right. Kill ho. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.